0: 50% of that facility is getting paid automatically. And so, um, so I love the fact that like on day five of the month, I can have most of my rent. I don't have to chase anybody. I love the fact that uh, I don't have to go ask a judge if I can kick someone's stuff out. I'd like to show you why knowing
1: your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why Podcast. Today, I'm here with Travis Bauckham. Travis is a self-storage investor as well as a real estate coach. So, um, Travis, first, I want to say thanks for, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out and coming to talk to me. Um, uh, I'm
0: looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, man. Always, always like talking about real estate
1: course, as we all do, it seems in this space. So uh, it'll be great. Um, why don't we just start, but tell us about your background. Tell us kind of, you know, where you started, how you got into real estate and self-storage and all of that.
0: Yeah. You know, back in uh, like 2009 through 11, I worked for a company and I drove a lot over 40,000 miles in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, 40,000 miles a year. And uh, I started listening to radio shows that was pre pre podcast. And, um, I was like, man, these guys are buying houses, buying houses and doing this and making this. Like, why am I, I'm here making 45, $50,000 a year. And I'm, these guys don't sound like they're much smarter than me. And so I started reading books, read over 50 books on how to buy real estate, specifically houses. And, uh, then we moved to a new uh, town and, uh, in 2012. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to go get a job. I'm just going to flip real estate. And so I flipped own real estate and so um, got lucky made some good contacts they connect me to a bank we had just a little bit of money in the in the account and I uh, took all my retirement money which wasn't a lot it was like three thousand bucks and we used that and we bought our first house uh, fixed it up had a renter in there before our first our mortgage payment was due and uh, me and my wife thought that that was really cool and we're like how many more can we do this? And so i went back to the banker, and he's like, "Well, we can't give you another loan, but you can go to this other guy." And eventually, like, I had like five or six banks in my little town here that was lending me money. And then, um, as that kind of progressed, I discovered hard money, and then it was just like gasoline on a fire. Uh, from 2015 to 2018, we bought over 400 houses, and um, and then I was worn out at the end of 2018. <laughs> as you can imagine. And then I was like, there's gotta be an easier way to do this. Um, and so I started selling all the the houses and that's how we ended up getting in to the storage spaces. I was like, what's the easiest and lowest defaulting asset class out there? And in my research, uh, looking at REITs, um, it was clearly by a long shot, it was, it was self-storage. And so that's how I ended up getting into storage. So you, okay. So you start, I mean, you started, I guess,
1: maybe similar to what a lot of people, although it sounds like you just decided to go all in uh, right right from the beginning. So you're, you know, on that, you know, single family residential side of things. And it, it sounds like at first you were not necessarily just flipping, but you were, I guess it wasn't, maybe it wasn't called Burr then, but if you were uh, <laughs> renovating and, and renting them out to people. So so how did you, were you doing both, you know, sort of buy and hold as well as flipping?
0: yeah well i I was just gonna buy and hold. I really like that concept of of growing wealth, but the hard thing about buying and holding is you have to have a crap ton of houses that make you know four thousand dollars a month you, you know, if you're if you're cash flowing two hundred bucks a a month on a on a single family home, you're gonna need you know twenty of those to make what a teacher makes and so and that's a lot of leverage that's a lot of uh a lot of risk and a lot of uh, stress, and so what we started doing is, is once the banks are like, once those four or five banks are like, hey, we can't lend you any more money until you pay this loan off or until it gets seasoned a little bit. I was like, well, I got a lot of equity in this one; it's not rented out yet. Let me sell this one, and you know, I made like twenty-two thousand on my first flip, and I was like, oh, like this is this is nice. And so, essentially, ideally, what I wanted to do is buy for every two houses I bought, I wanted to keep one but I kind of enjoyed just kind of having the money uh, and turning it on because the rentals I was zoning were kind of, they were class C, kind of crappy rentals. Like I remember buying a duplex the credit card that's how cheap it was it was like thirty thousand bucks i just cash advanced it and then um you know and and you use the money then went and refinanced it but you know that sucker was rented out for 1100 bucks but it was basically criminals that lived it and so they eventually got arrested and i had to you know then i was like i don't have any i I was like so broke just owning rental property i was like i don't know how to uh fix this thing up to rent it out again so um so i had to do what i the easy i had to I did what I could and then I uh, rented out to this sweet lady, but, um, but yeah, I just realized that like, you know, real estate is a great wealth vehicle, but it's, it doesn't do a good job as far as holding real estate. It doesn't get do a good job at cash flowing, you know, enough to make it worth it. And so, you know, selling a house, make it 20 grand and be like, all I have to do is like four of these here. And then 80 grand, my wife was working as a nurse at that time. That's 130,000 bucks take home, this is great. And so um, that's kind of how we started, but it slowly ended up being where we would flip about five houses, maybe wholesale one house, uh, and then rent, uh, keep one house. And then, um, you know, so we ended up having about 72 rentals uh, in in 2018 when I started unwinding everything. Um, on top of that, though, we had 20, 30 house flips going around that time that we had to, uh, you know, what, the way I unmarked the entire thing is I let my staff go and I'm like, I'm just going to handle the whole thing. And then I'll have cash at the end of it. Uh, and so it was a pretty stressful year at the end of two, basically 2019 was a very stressful year. I, I was knee deep in the whole thing for, you know, 12 months and didn't know what month it was. Didn't know what day it was. I was just waking up, doing what I had to do to unwind everything and start basically start over with a pile of cash or at least that was the hope.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of really good points there. I think that, you know, one uh is is kind of the scalability of single family homes and residential and why why a lot of people uh move on to commercial real estate just because it's yeah, you know, you can do all of these transactions. You have 72 houses. I mean, probably at that point cash flow was was pretty decent, but but at the end of the day, that's a lot to manage. And even just to Exit them was a lot of work for you, so I, totally. I think that's a that's a good point for people to understand. And not suggesting don't do residential or where you start wherever you want to start, but but understanding that's that's what I think not an uncommon story in the space. But I think what you said that I I I, I keep thinking this, and I and I, it I guess it maybe it <laughs> makes me feel validated when other people say. But but the the cash flow in real estate is. It's, it's a good goal to have, but it's not something that unless you started off with a whole huge chunk of capital to begin with to get invested, it's you're not going to start there. You're not going to start with a ton of cash flow. And so right. it's something that, you know, lo- looking at that from a a wealth building vehicle and you have to find something that's going to help generate that capital to grow the amount of passive wealth or passive income that you can have. And, and, you know, for you, that was, you were flipping some of the houses and then holding some of the house. And so people, I think a lot of times just think you can flip the switch and go from having active income to passive income. And it's maybe not quite that easy. And I think that's it's in, maybe people think that cuz sometimes i think it feels it feels like that's what gets said in you know by a real estate investor just look you know everything can be passive you still got to make some money to get it invested and then over time that ratio of active income to passive income can sort of flip flop so um sure. i think that's a, a important concept that uh, you know you mentioned and i think worth pointing out and another i mean you said you got tired. You said that you know two thousand nineteen was a was a a tough year, just getting kind of out of that, and you wanted to get you you done research, decided you want to get into self storage. What? How did you, aside from sort of unloading everything you you had, how how did you make that
0: transition? What was what was kind of the the process for you? Yeah, I would say the process was I was tired of uh, having real estate that had people in it. Um, going back to having 72 two rentals, I remember one month we had an $18,000 collective maintenance bill. So that was like a few ACs had to be had to be replaced. Um, you know, there was a grease fire at one of our uh, small apartments, and uh, I was like, man, it's just like these people cause so much chaos. So, you know, I was like, is there, I'm either going to get out of real estate or I'm going to find something that doesn't have people involved or at least people living in my property. So that's, that's one thing I like about storage is you, on any given day, you can have a 50,000 square foot storage facility and you have three people show up and get their stuff or open it up and get one thing or the another, you don't have people just kind of living there or like, um me or you know loitering around and causing issues and so um the transition was was primarily due to exhaustion I was like I can't I I have 72 rentals sometimes I make a dollar sometimes I don't make any um I have to use my house flipping business to pay for the rentals um you know the goal would be that the house flipping business you know helps grow the rentals but it was the opposite it was like it was just keeping them around um, it wasn't every month that we had a huge maintenance issue, but it was every we we were never we never felt free to pay ourselves anything from that business due to the fact that we could just have at any given time an AC goes out, any given time a house fire, any given time a tenant uh, destroys a house and leaves or breaks the window or whatever. Um, and so, Realizing how miserable that was and realizing that people I knew in the community that had 200, 300 houses were just hardened. They were just cold people. Um, I just wanted to get out of anything that resembled, you know, that could cause me to, you know, end up like them or, in, you know, cause all the stress. And so um, the great thing about storage is, is no one lives there. It's non-habitable, um, and sometimes even now, like we even run our facilities remotely. So there's not even a manager there. It's just a, it's just a building with a gate, or buildings with, with gates and and uh, fences. And so, I really like the idea that someone would pay me less than two hundred bucks, and I had three hundred utility units uh, in one location, and that it can be essentially ran in any part of the world. I can run it through a software program. I knew I know uh, at a moment's notice who's late or who has paid. We make all of our tenants, uh, like we, when we buy facilities, there's a lot of cash and checks that are getting paid. But when new tenants come in, we make them uh, ACH or use auto-pay credit cards. So like after a year, for the most part, 50% of that facility is getting paid automatically. And so... Um, So I love the fact that like on day five of the month, I can have most of my rent. I don't have to chase anybody. I love the fact that uh, I don't have to go ask a judge if I can kick someone's stuff out. Um, It's non-judicial eviction. So like basically you have to post, um, you have to give them 10 days and you get a post in, in the newspaper. then seven days later, they post, you post again in the newspaper. And then as in as short as 23 days, you can get people's stuff out. We right now given it's a softer environment we aren't doing that but you know in 2021 like when we had 100% occupancy no matter how much we were increasing the rents we were like okay we got to get this person out so we can get someone who actually wants to pay uh now we're given some time we're being a little bit more gracious in that regard but um but ultimately like we i know how much money is being made uh by the 5th day there's typically less than 2% uh collections that we have to make portfolio wide and uh and i just it's so much better primarily because all the things i mentioned but also you just have metal and concrete and, and those doors come with a 30-year manufacturer's warranty the overhead doors so if they break you just have to call us service tech out and it's like 60 bucks and if it's out of warranty because it's such an old facility that we bought you're looking at 290 to fix that and then it's going to work again for another 30 years and so um there's just hardly any maintenance. And as I mentioned before, like with the housing business, the rental housing business, we had tons of maintenance, so much maintenance. And we had to have a construction director on staff just to deal with the maintenance and the house flips and all that stuff. It's way more simple. Like it's uh, I had nine people working for me in the house flipping business, and I have just me and occasion, some some remote managers that, that manage uh, all of our 900 units that we have. So that's great. I, I think it's great. The margins are really fat, um, which has helped a whole lot given that um, interest rates are going higher and higher, seems like every month. Yeah. And, um, and so we we still have a pretty fat margin and and we're still cash flowing as opposed to a lot of multifamily. Uh, if you read the news, it's, it's really starting to hurt right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, especially the timing, I think of when you got in, I think, you know, with everything as, as the market heated up, self-storage got really hot too. And probably the um, things that are, are, were purchased, uh, you know, within the last year plus uh, not maybe not as good of a margin, but, but I I know, I know a number of people in self-storage and they moved from like yourself, either residential or they moved from multifamily just for a lot of the same reasons that you Mm -hmm. just listed off. It's just the ease. I mean, I think one of the, (laughs) one of the biggest challenges i find in multifamily is water whether that's inside or outside right So your yeah. your plumbing or the or the rain or whatever it is outside like those are the those are the things that cause the most problems and you don't really have to worry about that in storage you've got there's not plumbing there's not yeah we,
0: yeah. we don't if, have we don't we don't have a water bill yeah it's like
1: generally metal roofs like it, it's like and even if a little water gets in like there, there are it's it's an easy fix so it's kind of a um I think an important thing for people to understand sort of in terms of um management and and you, you talked a little bit about sort of the uh, ability to manage remotely and i and i know again from other people that um in the self-storage space that you know that that's kind of the, the model now right is to essentially right. not have someone on site and have almost everything done you know leveraging technology so what do you you talked about sort of knowing your payments are in getting everything you're on ach how do you handle i guess all of the leasing is online how do you handle all of that without having anyone kind of on site like what if something goes wrong what what are, what are some sure. scenarios you've run into
0: yeah from the from the leasing side we have a qr code at every facility that you can that says rent a unit here <laughs> and all you have to do is take a screenshot or a, a, get your camera out and take a picture of that QR code. It will send you to our website, and then you can completely, from the front page all the way to the last page, you can sign a lease, uh, get your unit number, uh, fill out your credit card information, upload your insurance information. If you don't have insurance information, we can offer you insurance information. Insurance uh, on the unit. We require insurance to be on each unit. We we'd rather them use their homeowners insurance, but if not, we have. We'll be we're, we gladly charge people for that. And, uh and then if there's any issue so all we have to do on the on the leasing side is actually finalize that lease just confirm that it's not some bot uh, like a robot or a, a fake person but it's actually someone we have to call them and confirm their driver's license and their secure uh, their social security number and then at that point we give them a gate code uh and they can get in um if they're if if the facility even has a gate uh give them a gate code and they can get in and uh you know put all their stuff in a unit uh, on as far as the uh, if there's something that goes wrong or a tenant doesn't pay or something like that we have a, a fractional facilities manager that goes and puts you know overlocks or those red locks that you know have a code that they, no one knows it, until they pay their bills um, or in you know if there's like uh, like no mo- lawn maintenance or lights that are out or something like that uh, the facilities manager t- typically takes care of that stuff you yeah. oh, know and that's fractional so it's like you know 300 400 500 bucks a month per facility great
1: and um
0: what do you so
1: <clears throat> those those the fractional management is that like i guess back up a little bit what markets are you in are these all kind of close together or are you sort of um in different markets and and that the fractional management it works in different markets how, how does that uh how is that set up
0: yeah, uh, fractional management, we, we don't have, uh, most sort of our facilities are not close to each other. We just buy where, where we feel like good, uh, you know, data is. And so there's certain things that we look after to go, okay, that's like, that fits our criteria of a good property. Um, You know, we have a facility in Oklahoma City. Uh, that's a huge RV and boat facility right off the Highway 35, I-35. We have... Um, a facility in a small town in texas called waxahachie which is south dfw it's right on highway 287 that's a real important thing for us is to get a very as big of a, a street as possible yeah. or a road as possible and then we own all the facilities in a small town um, in west texas and uh, there's five facilities in in that that market that's the only market we have an in-house manager and she's only there 20 hours a week um, she has, she does other things, uh, during the week, uh, other than work for me. And, uh, and the reason why we still have a manager in house, there is, there's some people in a, that small of a town that either can't get bank accounts or choose not to get bank accounts. So they still pay in cash, which I think is baffling. Um, they have iPhones, but they're, they don't have bank accounts. And so, <laughs> um, and then, you know, so as far as the facilities managers go, we have each facility has a fractional, Uh, Facilities manager and uh, the and I don't even know those people's names are we have in Lufkin, Texas, which is a really small town in Texas, uh, we have uh, like a call center and some uh, women that older women or single mom type, uh, you know, women that uh, manage our facilities for, you know, a small fee and they can manage more than one facility at a time. Awesome. Oh, and they they're in charge of the facilities manager. So, sure. And. Uh, are you syndicating these, or these are, these are all just personal portfolio? We we syndicate every single one. Um, we like that model. We like um, if you're a doctor or a dentist, you have a couple op- options. If you want to diversify your portfolio, you can invest. You can go buy a house, um, and then you're gonna have to deal with all the stuff we've been talking about, uh, from on a minor scale, or you can invest in in your fund or in my my deals, and uh, you have a fractional ownership. Of a very large commercial property that cash flows really well and um and then you know five to seven years from now you double your money uh or historically that's what we've had who knows what's gonna happen over the next five or seven years but um you know and that's that is a truly passive position as opposed to going and buying a house and furthermore you'll make more money and have less hassle in investing in your syndications or my syndications because A house is only worth what the house next door is worth. Um, You know, where a storage facility is worth whatever the income is divided by the cap rate. And a multifamily property is also uh, valued at whatever the income is divided by a cap rate. And so, um, you know, that's that's why we do that. We like to um, bring on other people. We feel like um, people want to invest in things. They just don't know how. Furthermore, there's a lot of, in my opinion, there's a lot of, there's a lack of integrity in the real estate industry, especially those who are posting online. Um, And I feel like our firm and probably your firm bring to the table a, a large amount of integrity, knowing that we're not going to take off with your money, knowing that we're not going to, if things get tight, we're going to, we're going to work on it and and wrestle with it as opposed to go like, okay, we're just going to scrap the money and go live in Costa Rica. Like some of the more recent multifamily Houston multifamily syndicators who failed at, uh, have done. And so, um, so yeah, I think, I, I think there's a purpose for uh, syndicators that have an integrity and uh, there's a purpose for, um, you know, the options we allow for investors to invest in.
1: Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, it's, it's, I, I know the, the story you're talking about in Houston, there, you know, people without getting in, into all the details and, and anything, I, I think, You know, people see those headlines and 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 it scares people away. And it's already, it's frustrating as you know when you're operating with integrity and doing everything you can to to you know make sure your investors stay whole and make money and all of this. And then you see things like that because it scares people and it scares them. You know, the, the less experienced people from from it's already hard enough to for them to know that those opportunities avail are available to them. But then if all they hear about them is that, you know, sort of those big uh, the failures of some people that were acting without integrity, that's, that, that's a huge deal. That's a huge blow to not just the real estate operators, but, but other investors, like in people that, that ha- to see these opportunities. So, yeah, I, I, I wish it weren't so, but I guess that's probably true in, in any industry that there are some, some big, um, you know, bad, bad actors that are uh, potentially putting a stain on it. But uh, I think, you know, being, being transparent, acting with integrity, keeping investors at, you know, investor interests out front always is, is key. Um, Travis, you you do some coaching as well.
0: Yeah, very little, very little. The coaching is primarily to uh, find new syndicators that want to, uh, you know, that they don't have the, don't have the ability to be a key principal or, um, you know, you know, sign on large amounts of debt. And so, um, very, I, I don't, uh, really push that too much these days, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to teach anybody. Um, we, we charge a pretty high fee just because we want you to come in, be super serious. And then, uh, when we do a deal, you tend to get that, you get that fee plus more back. Plus you get equity in the deal and you get to be a part of a, a larger, larger deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a fairly common thing in the industry is, is, you know, people that uh, it, it's almost like, um I don't know, <laughs> speeding up the learning curve, you know, joining a coaching program allows you to get into deals with people who are already doing them, as you mentioned, also being uh, finding someone who can be a key principal, I think is uh, a lot of times when you're first starting out, that's going to be, that's going to be a big hurdle in terms of the lending environment, both from a um, net worth and experience standpoint. So um, it's a, it is a valuable service. Um, well, let me switch gears, Travis. I want to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Uh, the first one being related to the name of the show is know your why. So, so what is your why? What What's driving you? What, what's kind of keeping you um, going forward towards more and more success?
0: yeah I would I would say um every time that I get um go through a series of I guess called go through the valley or go through a series of pain you know dealing with issues that sort of thing I, I keep coming back to like man I'm really glad that um it's even though it's painful and uncomfortable I'm really glad that it's me that is in charge of this money and also in charge of turning this thing around because I don't think there's a situation so far that i've not been able to turn around uh in real estate and it's definitely not roses uh in palm trees or whatever the term is um yeah. it, is, it is it can be very difficult and so going back to my comment about being a man of integrity and also a syndicator um if you you know if you give me your money i'm going to make sure that i I, it, I take it incredibly personal and it, it's hard for me if things aren't going the way that's supposed to because i want to i want to make sure i reached out i, I want i want to make sure that i get the results that i'm telling you i can get and so i would say my why is um you know outside of my family and providing for them and being there for them it would be i want to be there for my investors i want a deeper relationship with them i want them to trust me and i want them to know that that they made the right decision and that they're not just putting money into whoever says you can get the biggest return so i would say my why is is taking care of of uh, you know accredited investors yeah
1: yeah fantastic um when T- tell us something about yourself that uh maybe isn't common knowledge a special skill a hobby just something to let listeners know you a little better
0: yeah uh i, I try to mountain bike as much as possible i'm a pretty outdoor enthusiast i like to camp uh i like the overland i like the mountain bike um i've got four kids uh love my four kids are super fun to hang out with most of the time and <laughs> uh and then you know got a, me and my wife uh, started a school five years ago she is just uh Step, stepped down and is and hired a principal to kind of further the uh, vision uh, further than she can take it but uh, we started a school based off of entrepreneurship and uh, stem education we felt like the current um uh, Ford rockefeller uh, industrial complex educational education that happens in a public school and even some private schools are uh, wasn't really serving our personal kids and so even instead of just homeschooling them um, we decided to start a small school and so that's a big thing that not a lot of people know about that's awesome and yeah, yeah. and so probably could keep going but yeah, that's good enough, good enough for yeah. now.
1: No, that's no, that's great. I mean, the school thing, uh, I, I think, and, and we've talked about it on the podcast in past episodes too, is just kind of the traditional education, uh, is, is probably lacking for sure in a lot of areas, specifically business and entrepreneurship, and just the number of financial literacy, all of the stuff that, um, quite frankly, is it's probably some of the most valuable things that you could, uh, learn right. as a, as a young person to, um, carry forward in, in life skills. So I think that's, that's great. Uh, it's hugely important, um, to have that available to people that, that want it. Um, it sh- really should be part of probably any curriculum, but again, if it's not do something about it, don't, 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 uh, you know, don't sit and complain. You actually took action and, and, you know, created a solution. So that's great. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's, what's
0: the best way? Yeah, the best way is to go to our website, which is investinstoragedeals.com. Scroll down to the bottom and fill out a, a quick survey and um, three or four things you need to fill out. And then you'd be added to our, our investor list and we'll send you our deals uh, when we have them. And if you want to reach out to me, just ask me questions. You can do what you did, Jason. Reach out to me on Instagram at Travis underscore and uh, I I check that thing often, probably too much, and so, um, so I'll definitely see it, definitely respond to you, I'd be happy to talk.
1: Final question, Travis: What piece of advice would you give to someone who uh, wants to start in real estate? They're uh, listening to this, and they hear uh, hear your
0: story, and they want to follow in your footsteps. What would you tell them? Yeah, there's never going to be a right time. There's never a right time to start. You just need to start. The time to start is now. Uh, there's never, you can't wait for the market to be perfect. You can't wait for your finances to be perfect. As previously mentioned, I started with like, I, we had barely little of anything and I had 2,500 bucks and I got lucky and found a bank that would lend me basically a hundred percent of the, of the loan. And that was in 2012 when the bank was probably sweating for revenue. <laughs> so, um, so just my best, my advice would be just get started, um, and, and, and getting started, like going and making an offer on a house is pretty daunting or, or a piece of property is pretty daunting. So just read a book. If you haven't read any books, read a book. And then after reading a book, take another step of action and take another step of action. Um, a lot of it is just baby steps. Like And that continues. I've been doing this 12 years now. And sometimes I get so burned out or I get so discouraged that I'm like, all right, what is the one thing I need to do today that will help me get to my goals? And And sometimes that's all I do. And so, taking action, um, realizing that it's not perfect. You will make mistakes. You probably will lose money. But knowing that if you just don't quit, eventually it all works out.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's great advice. It, it uh, certainly, um, <clears throat> it, it can get hard at times. That's that's the reality of this business. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, really, really worthwhile. Worth worth having these skills and and being able to, um really just be in control of your your time your you know what your life looks like so um it's great advice thanks for coming on the show travis i appreciate it appreciate everything that you shared with us i think the listeners are going to get a ton of value a ton of value out of that so thank you so much awesome great enjoyed it yeah and folks listening um i know you're gonna love it uh make sure you check out travis we'll put all of his information in the show notes and please like rate and review the show so we can get more great guests like travis thanks have a great day Or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.